WT Whoa. So this is the second decapitated person in this home. Yes. So that begs the question. Where there's smoke, shouldn't there be a fire? In this episode of The Brothers Grimm, Jeremy tells us the story about the house the devil built. As everybody at the table knows, we all love haunted houses, especially when that time at Halloween comes around. We always are seeking out somewhere to go get scared. The last one we went to wasn't very scary. Y'all remember that? We went to a uh, uh, the, the haunted escape room. Yep. And uh, boy, was it kind of lame. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, the first time we went, I thought it was really good. But then uh, the past couple times, it's been less and less good. Less and less good. We we need a, a good haunted escape room or haunted. Yep. Every October, we we try and go do it as a uh, as a big group. And I concur that the last ones that we went to were horribly uh, poorly planned. And uh, well, so the one we went fun. to for Joey's bachelor party, that one was pretty fun. That was pretty rad. Um, it was big. Had you know four or five rooms. Um, it was almost an old house yeah. building. Um, but the last couple, it's been a little bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. So as fans of movies, horror movies specifically, when you think of the most haunted houses in America, you probably jump right to the sinister looking colonial in Amityville, Long Island, mm-hmm. or even the home in St. Louis that inspired the exorcist. But not every famous haunt has an empire of entertainment media to boost its reputation. Some of it is part of local oral history. And for the residents of Pennsylvania's most western city, Pittsburgh, the stories of the Conglier Mansion made it more than deserving of the title, The Most Haunted Home in America. It's been given several other monikers throughout the years, including the house the devil built. According to the legend, the house on 1129 Ridge Avenue was built in the 1860s in the Manchester neighborhood in Pennsylvania's north side. Charles Conglier was the original owner and inhabitant, along with his wife Lida and their maid Essie. Conglier made a fortune as a direct result of the Civil War and moved his family north to settle in the booming industry town of Pittsburgh. Like many great tragic stories, It ends with infidelity and a jealous wife. Lida, after discovering her husband and Essie were having an affair, in a rage took several knives from the kitchen and slaughtered her unfaithful husband and his paramour. She was found by a neighborhood several days later calmly sitting in a chair with the severed head of the maid in her lap. W.T. Whoa. That's messed up. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, any story where somebody's sitting there with a severed head in their lap, theirs or someone else's, it's uh, bizarre. Just just sitting calmly. Just, I I don't like that. Hands through the hair. Mm -mm. Mm. After the Grizzly murders, the house was dormant for quite some time until a railroad company purchased it in 1892, planning to convert it into housing for their staff. After several workers complained of strange noises and unexplained happenings in the house, the railroad abandoned it and put it up for sale, 
where it remained on the market for several years until 1900, when Adolf C. Brunrichter, a German-born doctor, purchased the house. Brunrichter was described by his neighbors as a recluse who didn't partake in socializing and spent much of the time in his house by himself. But on the night of August 12, 1901, neighbors reported the sounds of a woman screaming and strange lights in the home. The police were called and were appalled to find the body of a decapitated woman and the doctor nowhere to be found. So this is the second decapitated person in this home. Yes. What comes next is straight out of a horror movie as they discovered a laboratory in the basement with several more body parts and most horrifyingly, a severed head that Dr. Brunrichter had used in his ghoulish experiments to keep victims of decapitation alive after the fact. Sounds like Murder House from American Horror Story. That's exactly what inspired Murder House. Oh my hmm. God. I didn't realize that uh, the, the first season of American Horror Story was based off of a true yeah, I didn't either. story. But it kind of makes sense though Yeah, to start, to start a, a series off like that. Yeah. So basically, Dr. Brunrichter was performing experiments on keeping humans alive after death. Does does that have any, like, connection to the grisly murders back in the past? I mean, decapitation is obviously the uh, connecting murder, if you will. No direct connection. But it's not like Brunrichter was possessed by the spirit of the woman and that's why he decapitates his victims no but he was performing and participating in occult experiments mm. i guess would be the best way to put it so crazy. how do we find out that he was that's what he was a part of the, well that's what Good the police question. found when they inv- when they invaded his home oh after the screen they, they found his lab they found evidence of him and evidence of him doing that's after the scream and the weird lighting yes hmm. so the doctor was never seen again Though almost 30 years later, some believe he emerged from hiding in New York, drunk and claiming to have conducted strange experiments in Pittsburgh. Police didn't put much weight on the man's claimed identity and eventually released him from prison, deeming him harmless and never appeared again in history. Ah, good. You have a guy that admits to uh, doing some terrible things, says he's this guy who you never found, and you're just going to let him go. Yep. And he's like, see ya. I have so much faith in our uh, in our criminal justice system especially towards the turn you know at the turn of the century right pre-world war ii so thanks to its dark history which only seemed to grow with each new tenant the house developed a reputation as a home for wayward spirits according to some accounts thomas edison himself was one of many who visited the house to investigate the notorious paranormal phenomenon along with julia murray a psychic medium of the time they claim to encounter a malevolent spirit with the power to harm the living and the ability to travel beyond the confines of the house. A medium at this time is a witch. Yes. Like, there's no other... <laughs> like, she is a witch. I think what's more surprising is Thomas Edison was into a paranormal investigation. Apparently. That's pretty neat. You know, he That's invented cool. the light bulb, and he was just like, oh, yeah. I got nothing else to do at oh. the time. I see light bulbs came from witchcraft then. Looks like it. 
So the house continued to be dormant of any new inhabitants until it was once again purchased, this time by the Equitable Gas Company, again to be converted into apartments for its workers. As before, the workers inside reported strange noises, disembodied voices, and two workers were discovered dead in the basement of the house. No cause of death or homicide suspect was ever found, and many of the men quickly moved out of the housing. The company continued to maintain a presence in the area, but in November 1927, a massive gas explosion resulted in spectacular damage to the surrounding area, leaving 27 dead and over 500 people injured. The house itself was totally destroyed in the blast, leaving only a crater in the earth where the house once stood. Okay, so we got four people who were killed inside this house, suicide or murdered, unsure. And then it explodes, house is no longer there. I can only imagine this is leaving a lot of unrest in this area. Someone's going to someone's going to rebuild it. Yeah, cuz that's 31 dead from so, the explosion and then four from just previous events. So I can't go see this house now. No. The site, however, wasn't free of its dark past just because the house was gone. Several locals continued to report strange occurrences happening in and around the former location of the house, leading some to suspect the explosion was caused by the devil in an attempt to reclaim the dark and mysterious house for himself. And here's where the story takes a little bit of a more nuanced direction. The story of the Congolier Mansion has captured the imaginations and the horror of American citizens for over a century. But, like Amityville, how much of it was real? We do know that a family named Congolier lived at the exact address on Ridge Avenue, and in 1927, Marie Congolier was killed during a gas explosion when shattered glass from the house windows severed an artery in her leg. The house was then demolished sometime after her death, and a highway was later built over the homestead. So, are you saying that's the same road? Or same area? Wait, wait, I'm sorry. So, that's the only factual items that we have, but we have all these stories of things that have happened in this house. The only things we know is that some people named Conglier lived there, and one person died in a gas explosion. Those are the only facts. What about the doctor that that conducted experiments? What about the the guy and his maid mistress? As for the evil German doctor, no record of him ever exists according to historian Troy Taylor. But the legend continues to haunt locals as they share their experiences and stories of the strange mansion. Perhaps it just so happens that the origins of the legends have some horrifying grounding in fact but it's something we may never truly know. Pittsburgh is home to a slew of haunted histories, from the hallowed halls of the University of Pittsburgh's Cathedral of Learning to the world-famous Halloween attraction, Scarehouse, rumored to be actually haunted. The Congolier Mansion is just one of many tales of hauntings intertwined with the industrial history of America's steel town. And whether you choose to believe the gruesome tale or not, some parts are rooted in fact. So that begs the question, where there's smoke, shouldn't there be a fire? Or is it simply a case of the collective imaginations of the people of Pittsburgh running wild 
for local scares and fun. So this is just straight folklore. This is just legend. All these stories you just told, there's only there's only a couple facts. The rest is just legend. Legend that's inspired countless retellings of the house the devil built, the murder house. That is bizarre. It For but, such a property to have so little factual knowledge to it, but so much folklore and oral history that to the people of Pittsburgh and to the people of the U.S., it's that I want to go see Murder House. Well, there is no Murder House. Yeah. It never, it, you know, it's not there anymore. And who's to say that it ever was Murder House? That's crazy. You know, I've, I don't know if this is folklore or if this has any kind of factual evidence, but I feel like carbon monoxide poisoning can, could cause hallucinations. Um, and I wonder if because of maybe they keep having these gas leaks in this area, is it causing hallucinations for these people, make, making people be, um, I don't know, like making them commit suicide themselves or just hallucinate and commit murder. I don't know. I mean, we do know that the two companies that bought the property existed via tax records. Uh, as far as the allegations and stories that went along with it, don't know. Also, the story, you know, these things happened a century ago, hmm. you know, in a part of town that no longer exists because a road was built over it. Yeah, and I'm curious, too, because you said 27 people were killed in a explosion, a gas explosion, and 500 were wounded. That is a lot of people. That's a lot of... Uh, eyewitnesses. It's a lot of records. Yeah. Well, in an in, in a residential area, five hundred people. That's a that's a wide berth for an mm-hmm. explosion. That's like an entire neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's large. That's not nothing. Especially in what twenties, nineteen twenties. Yeah. I mean, houses were further apart. Hmm. You know, and so this story just captured my attention. It's captured my my eye because so much is said about. This murder house. I mean, I remember watching the first season of American Horror Story and hearing about the murder house. So I immediately went and saw, you know, was this nothing or was it based on something? And this is, of course, the story that comes up. Hmm. And in reality, it's it's just that. It's a story. Only because you have so little, you know, factual findings to go along with it. I love, I love mysteries like that, that or lore or folklore like that, that uh, it's up to the, it's up to the viewer to fill in, to fill in the gaps, right? I mean, it's, it's why we have so much lore that we have today, why we have so many legends and stories and uh, fantastical creatures and unbelievable happenings. And, you know, it's because people for a long time had no other a way to justify or to explain the unexplainable, but to but to turn it into a story. And maybe what they saw was real, or maybe what they experienced was real, but at the end of the day, we're never going to know. You know, we live in 2020. Everything is captured by social media and video and photo. Our whole lives are captured. It's very easy to say that never happened or, or that did happen. Right. I think this is just a really cool example of oral history. 
Mm-hmm. And the, the importance, you know, I, this is stupid AT&T commercial out right now. And the tagline is, um, you know, word of mouth advertising. That's what happened before commercials were around. And if you look at it, I mean, that's how that's how stories, you know, there was no Internet. There was no opportunity for us to look up something. It was all about, well, like I heard about this story. You know, let me just tell you this legend that I heard. And, you know, the legend grows or the legend dies. I'm sure when the, I'm sure the first reported sightings of Bigfoot, you know, were nothing compared to the stories about him now, because it tends to, you know, as lore expands, it fills the space that it expands with more details, with bigger plots, with, you know, it, it's it's an interesting case in, you know, it's like the game Telephone. Mm-hmm. The longer that a message goes, the further it gets away from what actually happened. Right. And it starts fitting into what you think that they said or what you think that that meant. Or, you know what, we could probably tie that weird thing that happened to this. Yeah. I mean, so over the holidays... My grandfather was asking me or just talking to me and my wife about his father who was in the Marine Corps or the Navy. I can't remember which one. But um, he was saying that some of the evidence that he has, some of the records that he has, don't entirely match up to what his grandfather actually told him stories of. So we've been going back, and as of 2019, they've released a lot of this, these new uh, like muster records. And we can go back and see and kind of help put some of that timeline together for my grandfather and kind of what his dad went through, you know, getting on a boat in California, getting off a boat in Pearl Harbor, you know, seeing all of this and um, kind of following that timeline. So it's kind of like now we're with technology today, we're able to put all of these pieces together from oral, you know, tellings and stories and stuff it's like you have to line up all the different accounts and just see what overlaps right and really that's all you can pick and say that's probably true or that's Mm -hmm. probably not true right right? if you have if you have 10 different people and they all give the exact same account separately Mm -hmm. something in there is truth now how and that's just how lore and folklore grows and I, that's what I love about the about these stories so much is uh, it's it's so interesting to hear yeah. different accounts for the exact same experience and and what's the truth that comes out of that. So there's like no photos or anything of what this building looked like, especially after like because you have tax records. Yeah, there's no there's no pictures of the house right. when it was first built or anything. No, like that. there there are initial pictures I believe of the house. Or even like a property assessment, something like that? Yeah, so this is kind of what the house looked like. Oh, wow, it's huge. What a classic haunted house. Yes. I think it's huge. It's a mansion by all accounts. And, of course, you know, it probably went through renovations and, you know, refixings as different tenants came through. Those are some modern photos. Yeah, so... Classic uh, house on a hill, almost. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that this house's structure has been... um, replicated hmm. um, to create some semblance of it. Definitely has a very classic mansion feel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Creepy. I feel like there should be lightning in the background <laughs> and maybe a storm on the horizon. Right. Just, yep. You know, it, and it's just, it's it's an interesting story of what happens when people put their own details in and 
what could be true gets lost in what they want to be true. This episode was written by Jeremy Thompson with discussion from Joey Thompson and Brian McIntyre and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe, and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories, too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.